Well, good morning, guys. Are you well? Hey, I tell you, we had such a lack of time yesterday at the church house with the guys, and that go-karting is going to be really, really good. Looking forward to that as well. And we're a community, amen? And I tell you what, all over the world as I travel, one of the things that we see taking place is since COVID, God is rebuilding community, amen? Thanks, John. God is rebuilding a sense of family in the life of a church, Amen? And uh, just a wonderful sense of God's presence in worship this morning, eh? Am I right? Don't you love that word from Moray, eh? It's important that we understand that. Israel had been worshipping idols and had turned their back on God. And had turned their back on His ways. And because of that, God had sent them into exile. And they were now living in foreign lands. And in that foreign land, God says, I love you, I'm for you. I know the plans I have for you, plans to bless you, to, give you, to make you prosperous, and to, to bring peace to you. Isn't that amazing? The amazing thing about God the Father is that He's always redemptive. He's always restorative. And He's always working for our best and highest good. No matter where we are. No matter where we are. God is always working to bring us back to Himself. While we have breath, God is pursuing us. Isn't that amazing? What a God. What love. You know, this is what the Bible says, 1 John 4 verse 19. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us. We love because he first loved us. Lord, this morning I pray in Jesus' name as we look at your word. Lord, as we meet with one another. Lord, we don't come to do a religious duty. We come to meet with our heavenly Father, and develop our personal relationship with you. And so, Lord, I ask this morning for your grace and your mercy. Help me, Lord, to share your word and help those that are hearing this morning, both in person and online, Father God, to come closer into this incredible relationship we have with you. Thank you that we serve you, the living God. Lord, we come against every vain thought, every imagination that wants to exalt itself above you and above your word and above your spirit. We bind those thoughts and those things in Jesus' name, and we ask for an open heaven. Holy Spirit, Father God, send the angels to come and minister to us and guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name, what do we say? Amen. Amen. This morning, um, David, my son, went back to Cape Town. He's studying at UCT. And last night, two of his friends stayed over. And um, David's a little bit far from the Lord at the moment. And he's, he's a, I think, I don't know if he's the bassist or what, what is he in the, in the band? He's the bassist. He's this bassist in this band. And um, it's not a worship band. It's a rock band, okay? <laughs> and um, two of his friends slept over last night. And so this morning, he left at 8 o'clock to go back to Cape Town. But two of his friends are there. And the one guy by the name of Nick... I don't, never met Nick, but I'm making them coffee and we're just having a chat before they leave. And so Nick says to me, so what do you do? So I said, Nick, I, I'm a pastor. And then I mentioned our brothers and our family businesses and we started having a chat. He says, I've never met a pastor in my life. And I proceeded to share the gospel with Nick. And it was so, now I didn't, I wasn't going to go for the kill. First time he's hearing it. Are you with me? But I explained who Jesus was. I explained the difference between relationship and religion. And I tell you, he was, he was sitting there. He was like, wow. 
thank you. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Eh? There's a young man here this morning, JC. JC, why don't you just wave your hand there? That's JC. I'm, I'm just telling you some things. This is, I don't want you to start the timer yet, but please, okay. I'm just, trying to, I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to tell you how good God is, how much he loves people, how he's working to bring people to himself. So JC, I met JC at the gym. When was it, JC? Two weeks ago. Maybe three, eh? Two, three weeks ago. Now, I never, ever change a gym. I go from my house to the gym and I go back. But this particular day, I had a lot of meetings. It was, I was going to go, I also go to the gym in the morning, not in the afternoon. But on this Tuesday, whatever it was, I went to gym in the afternoon and I had my bags and I got changed into my gym clothes. And I see JC there. And JC and I, we start having a conversation. JC comes from Durban. He's been up here for about three months, oh, JC? Five months. And, um, and I said to him, yeah, we just talked talk. and said, you know what, but you, you need to make friends and you need to find a community. And I said, hey, man, we've got a wonderful bunch of young people. And in fact, some of them are gymming upstairs. Let me go and introduce you to them. And Kim was there and Terry was there and Jonathan and Jared were there. And they were gymming. And I introduced them to JC. Maybe I got the story a little bit wrong, Jason. You can clarify it if not. But he had been praying on the Sunday. Was it that Sunday or the next Sunday? I want to find a community. And I want to find friends. That Saturday, there was a Tuesday. Saturday, he was invited to a bride, Luca's house. And then yesterday, he was at the rugby with us. Today, he's in church. God is in the business of looking for people. Isn't that amazing? And I tell you, JC, that, that word, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Jared, you as well. I feel that God is telling you guys, listen, I want to take you on a journey with me. I want, I want to bring you to myself. Is that helpful? All right, that's for free. Okay, that's for free <laughs> for me. <laughs> but this is our God. This is our Father. He loves you. He's for you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Amen? He's, he's amazing. Marcus, good to meet you. In the worship, I really felt the Lord give me a word for you. I felt him say to me, for you, that you're a man after his own heart. Number one. And number two, you know that scripture where it says, run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. I feel like that you've been running this race. And, I want, and the Lord wants you to know this morning that he, that, that he wants you to run it with him, with his glory, and for his glory. And I feel in this next season, that's what's going to happen. The presence of God and the closeness of God is going to meet you in a way you've never felt before. And you're going to hear that voice. Be, uh, you know, uh, I think it's uh, Psalm 32 verse 8 says, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I really felt that for you, my friend. God bless you. All right, so we've been doing this series um, out of Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And I want to read the scripture to you, okay? It says this, speaking of the early church, Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to pray. The book of Acts is the most incredible book, and I really encourage you to read it if you haven't. But the book of Acts... It's called Acts because it's the acts of God through the church. Okay? The acts of God flowing through the church. And the book of Acts 
is a biblical picture of what a community of believers like us looks like when it's living in revival. Okay? And revival is when the kingdom of God is preached, taught, believed in, embraced, and demonstrated in and through a community of believers of which Jesus, the king, is their king. And his kingdom is breaking out in the lives of those believers and through the lives of those believers. There's a movie called The Jesus Revolution. You have to watch it. Okay? Stream it if you have to. But find The Jesus Revolution and watch it. In, this, in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, that's what happened. The kingdom of God broke out in San Francisco and California and then swept across the world with the hippie movement, are you with me? The Jesus people came. And I believe that God in this season is positioning the world again for communities of believers all over the world to see Jesus made their king and for his kingdom to break in, break in and break out through those communities to see the Jaycees, the Bruces, the Marcuses of this world back to the Father. Amen. So, Acts is a description of what happens when a community of believers fully embraces the gospel of the kingdom and God's kingdom manifests through that community into the earth. Are you happy with that? We see in this passage of scripture that they were devoted to four things. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And that teaching was about King Jesus and about his word, the Bible. They devoted themselves to fellowship. See, the church... It's not a religious organization. It's a community of believers. And we, the church, are God's kingdom ambassadors on this earth. Amen? They but devoted themselves to breaking of bread. Now that is communion. That is the body of Jesus broken for us and the blood of Jesus shed for us. And it's, that is the gospel of the kingdom. And it shows us that Jesus was first devoted to us before we are devoted to Jesus. God first loved us. God always makes the first move. Adam and Eve sin. First God makes the first move. He makes the planet. Then he gives them instructions. They sin. They eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They hide. God comes to find them. And from Genesis to Revelation, that's a story. Mankind sins and runs away from God. And God pursues mankind. Amen? And the ultimate picture of that is Jesus coming to earth. So in communion, we remind ourselves of the gospel of the kingdom, and we remind ourselves that Jesus is devoted to us. That's why they're devoted to communion. And then fourthly, they were devoted to prayer. And prayer is the means by which God's kingdom's power and authority flows from heaven to earth. Are you happy with that? Now, in March... In, in, the, in the month of March as a church, we preached through being devoted to the apostles' teaching, being devoted to fellowship, and being devoted to communion. And in June and, and into July, we are doing a series on us being devoted to prayer. Amen? And I think the problem with prayer is that it can either be the most incredible life-giving thing on the planet, or it can be the most religious dry, dull, and boring thing you've ever come across. And I'm sure you could agree with me on that. I'm sure you've experienced both of those aspects of prayer. 
And we are trying to bring prayer across to us as a dynamic, life-giving means of developing our relationship with the Lord. Are you right? Now, we started two, three weeks ago with a devotion to God and prayer. Then two weeks ago, we looked at personal prayer. Last week, we looked at family prayer. This week, I'm going to talk to us about corporate prayer. Okay? And so I want to read another passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 2, verses 46 to uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. Speaking about these same group of people who had devoted themselves, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. One day, Peter and John, as Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. From this passage of scripture, we see that this early community of believers that were living in revival had three basic meetings that they devoted themselves to. Firstly, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And that's what we're doing on a Sunday morning. We meet together every Sunday to sit and to hear the word of God. Amen. That's what we call church. But that's not church. That's the church meeting on a Sunday. Then it says there, they, they met together in their homes and ate together. Derek, why don't you just stand quickly. So this is Derek. Okay. Thanks, Derek. So I was at, um, the, thanks Derek, you can sit down. I was at, I was at um, Andre and Julie's life group on, on, Thursday, on Thursday night. It was Steve's birthday, and um, he's a part of my men's group, and I just wanted to celebrate with him on his birthday. So I went to the life group. Now Derek got saved. Will you come back to the Lord? When was it? Beginning of this year, end of last year? Beginning of this year, through Barry. Barry, one of our guys here. Derek works with Barry, and Barry invited Derek to church. And I met Derek at the life group. And I've seen Derek on Sundays in church. And we had such an amazing life group. And this happened. We were meeting together in someone's house, and we were enjoying fellowship. And as I was saying goodbye, I said, Derek, it is so good to see you here. Do you know what he said to me? This is my family. I didn't look for it. Derek said to me, this is my family. I belong here. Man, I tell you, inside of me, my heart went, yeah, baby. <laughs> because church is a family. And on a Sunday, you, you experience something of community. But if you want a real connection and you want to feel like you're not just attending this church, but that you belong to this church, you're going to find that in a life group. You're going to find that when we meet together in homes. Amen. And then the last thing it says there, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. This community of believers, they devoted themselves to corporate prayer. They gathered in the temple to pray together. There was a corporate prayer meeting that they had. And I want to suggest to you that those three things are the three most basic meetings that any community of believers should be having. We should be having Sunday meetings like this. We should be meeting together in one another's homes. And we should be praying corporately together. All right? If we're going to see God's kingdom break in, and we're going to see it becoming what it needs to be. Here's what I want to talk about this week. This week we're going to consider corporate prayer, and I want you to ask yourself this question. Why should we, 
as lighthouse to the nation's church, devote ourselves to praying corporately together? It's a very good question. Really, it's, a, it's, it's a, such an important question. You know what? If I asked you or your kid comes to you one day and he says, Dad or Mom, why must we pray? Why must we pray as a family? My mom preached last week. She was speaking about us praying as families together. Devotion to family prayer. Your kid's going to ask you one day, why? One day your, your kid wakes up, he sees you having a quiet time, you're praying personally. Your kid says, why do you pray, Dad? Oh, flip, why do we have to go to a corporate prayer meeting? It's such a drag. Why? It's a very good question. And if you answer, because we must, it's a wrong answer. Because you're going to lead your kid into, relationship, into religion. Religion is doing external things because you must with no internal conviction and understanding of why we actually do what we're supposed to be doing. You understand? But in relationship, in connection with God, understanding God and His kingdom, we understand why we do the things we do. Now it's not religion. Now it's conviction. It's faith. It's belief. And then I can give myself to that thing. Let, guys, don't do anything for God, number one. God wants you to do nothing for Him. Rather, He wants you to do everything with Him. Don't do anything for God. When we do stuff for God, we're religious. You understand that? Don't do things for God. Do things with God. That's relationship. And so it's the same with prayer. Now, when we did personal prayer a couple of weeks ago, um, we looked at the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer starts like this. Now, it's actually not the Lord's Prayer, hey? What we call the Lord's Prayer is, should actually be called the Disciples' Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is actually recorded in John 17. Because in John 17, they record how Jesus prayed for us. And that was the Lord praying for us. The Lord's Prayer what we, was actually should be called the Disciples' Prayer. Because the disciples came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So the Lord's Prayer is our prayer. And in John 17, we get the Lord's Prayer where Jesus prayed. Do you understand that? Okay. But listen to what it says here. This then, Jesus said, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Our Father. Hey, that's the first important thing. It's relational. It's personal. Hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know that in the original manuscript, that's how it is. After every one of those things, it's, on earth as it is in heaven. In our new Bibles, if you check it, it goes, let your name be hallowed, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Then it says, on earth as it is in heaven. But in the original, after every time it says, let your name be hallowed, where? Yeah, as it is there. Let your kingdom come, yeah, as it is there. And let your will be done, yeah, as it is there. You see, my friends, is there any problem in heaven? Any issues in heaven? God sits enthroned in heaven, unmoved, unfazed, unchallenged, sovereign king. On earth is God king. Is God unchallenged? My friend, on earth, there's many kingdoms, there's many kings, there's many gods, and there's many people worshipping many things. 
And on earth is where the problem is, and on earth is where the battle is. And so when, we, when Jesus is teaching us to pray, he's teaching us to say, Lord Jesus, as it is in heaven, let it come on earth. Isn't that amazing? And so the Lord wants his name, his kingdom, and his will to be hallowed, to come, and to be done on earth as is in heaven. That is why we need to pray. There's no, there's no contest in heaven. The context is on earth. Now, this is important. Personal prayer is a time, time to connect with and commune with. Now, commune means to come into union with, to come into unity with the Lord. You understand that? It's a, it's a time to draw close to God. Why? So that you can catch his heart. Yeah? And I want to read the scripture to you, Jeremiah chapter 31. So Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 21 and 22. Listen to this. All prayer is that we catch his heart. You got it? Jeremiah 30, verse 21 and 22. Their leader will be one of their own. A ruler will arise from among them. I will bring him near. He will come close to me. Now this is important. For who is he who will devote himself to come close to me, asks the Lord. Isn't that amazing? In prayer, what are we doing? We're catching God's heart. How do we catch his heart? We come close to him. And what's the result of that? Verse 22. So you will be my people and I will be your God. If we want to be the people of God, then we need to be people of prayer. And we don't pray out of religious duty. We pray out of a revelation of God's love and it's prayer that brings us into relationship with God that we can catch his heart and have communion with him. Prayer is not a religious duty you have. Prayer is communication with God. It's talking to God and God talking with you and you building a relationship with God. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Number two, prayer is about drawing close to God so that you can catch his heart, number one. Number two, that you can hear his will for your life. What is the prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done. I want to ask you this question seriously this morning. Every one of you here, listen to this question. Do you believe that you can hear God's voice for yourself? Madeleine, do you believe that you can hear God for yourself? Chantal, do you believe that you can hear God for yourself? Do you believe that God wants to talk to you personally? If you don't, your prayer is going to be boring, it's going to be dull, and it's going to be religious. But if you come to God to draw close to Him and to hear from Him, and then God speaks to you. My friend, your, your Christian walk goes from there to there. Because all of a sudden, you realize this thing is real. Now, in John chapter 10, it's the story of the good shepherd, right? This is what Jesus says. Listen to this. John chapter 10 verse 4. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. His sheep follow him. Because they know his voice. Chapter four, same chapter, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
Number 10. Sorry, next verse. John 10 verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. Listen to this. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now what's the basic conclusion of those verses? If you're a sheep, you have a shepherd and you can hear the shepherd's voice. Whoa, that's freedom. That means every single sheep can hear the voice of the shepherd. Now, I'm a shepherd of this flock. The Bible doesn't say the shepherds hear the voice of the shepherd and then those shepherds tell the sheep the voice. No. It says we're all sheep and we all can hear God for ourselves. Isn't that incredible? I want you to ask God to change something in your mind. Where you pray with this expectation that I can hear from God for myself. His will, I can hear it for myself. And His kingdom can come here in my life as it is in heaven. Isn't this amazing? And it's the sheep thing. And let me say this. The way you become a sheep is by getting born again. And for you to be born again, you have to have heard Jesus calling you. That simple. Amazing, isn't it? Okay? So I'm just covering personal prayer. Why we pray personally? We pray one, to catch his heart. Two, to hear his will. Now watch ya. To see his kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done, hey? John chapter three, verse three. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus says this. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. Now, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Eh? When the truth tells your truth, what you better do? Better listen to this. Dun, 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 dun. Listen, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. What is the, what is the basic deduction from that scripture? God wants you to see his kingdom. God wants you to show you things about your life, about your family, about your business, about your church, about your children, about many things. God wants to show you things. He wants to show you how his kingdom in heaven must come on earth. And when you start to live like this, when you start to hear God's will for your life, for your children, for your business, for your fat marriage, for your family, for your church community, for your life group, for your country, for your community... And you start to see the king's will and how the kingdom of God can come. Whoop, my friend, now you're not living in religion. Now you're living in relationship. Now you're catching God's heart. You're drawing close to him. And that's when your walk with God becomes amazing. Are you with me so far? So why do we pray? To catch his heart, to hear his will, and to see his kingdom. Fourth point. And all the good Things he has planned in advance for you to do. Now, Murray, you didn't know I was going to preach that scripture. And we heard prophetically during the worship, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to do good to you, to bless you, to give you a hope and life and a future. And what was the context? They were in exile. They were far from God. But God is so good, he's inviting them to come close to him. God is speaking to us this morning at Lighthouse. 
Now, this is important. This is very important. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created anew in Christ Jesus. Why? To do the good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Now, I want you to see this. You can hear this in a religious way, or you can hear this in a relational way. Let me read it again. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Salvation is not of works that anyone should boast. It is the gift of God. You don't get saved by doing good works. You get saved by believing in Jesus. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made him who had no sin, to become sin for us so that we could be reconciled to the Father. You see, my friend, this is the gospel. Jesus worked on your behalf so that you can be forgiven of your sins and you can be reconciled to your Father. Amen? You get it? That's relationship. Now it says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you. This is the gospel. This is what it says. God says, Ian, you're dead in your sins. You're dead in your transgressions. But I'm calling you. Come to me. Come to me, Ian. Come to salvation. Okay, you come, 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 come. You come into relationship, right? Now you're in relationship with God. Now God says to you, now listen, my boy. I love you, bro. I'm for you. And I've got good works for you to do. But listen to me. I don't want you to do them for me. I want you to do them with me. How's about you and me walk together into the good things that I've got planned for you? And then he takes you and he walks you into that. That's why we pray. That's why we pray. We pray not for religious duty's sake. We pray because we want to see what are you okay there, but all good, carry on. What are the good things that God has got for me? Happy? Now, when we pray as a family, we're doing exactly the same four things. But now, as a family, we're catching God's heart together. As a family, we're hearing His will for our family. We're seeing His kingdom come as a family. And we're seeing the good things that God has planned for us as a family. You've got rocks in your head if you're not praying with your family. Now, listen. Again, you can hear that in a religious way or you can hear that in a kingdom way. When you pray as a family to see the king made king of your lives and for his will to come on earth, then family prayer becomes exciting. Remember, I'll tell you this one story. We were going on a holiday to Plettenberg Bay. Me and my kids and Mara. We didn't have, we had money for the holiday, but it was winter. We didn't have money for the kids' wetsuits. So we said to them, listen, Pray. The kids, we said, pray for wetsuits. In our family prayer meeting, eh? The kids are like nine, ten years old. That's spread. So they pray. Jesus, please. We want wetsuits. The next day, Mara's picking up the kids. They went to St. John's. Okay, the boys went to St. John's. He's driving from St. John's home. The Lord says to her, go to the hospice on Grant Avenue. I mean, on Rue Avenue. You'll find wetsuits there. 
she's like, hmm. She goes. She finds perfect wetsuits for all of them, 50 bucks each. My kids saw the kingdom of God coming in their lives in a family prayer meeting. And I can tell you stories like that from now till 6 o'clock tonight. I'm not joking. But do you, are you introducing your children to the kingdom? What Now, corporate prayer. When you pray, so, so family prayer is a corporate prayer for a family. When we come together as a church to pray, or when we come together as a nation to pray, or when we come together as a business to pray, when you're praying in your business corporately, when you're praying in your church corporately, when you're praying as a nation corporately, you're doing the exact same thing. You're catching God's heart for the nation. You're hearing His will for the nation, for the business, for the church. You want to see His kingdom come in the church, in the business, in the nation. And you want to see the good things that He's planned for the nation, the church, or the business. Now, guys, if you get that, again, now you've got rocks in your head. If you're not praying for your business, not praying for your nation, not praying for your church, not praying for your family. That's why we need to devote ourselves to corporate prayer. Are you happy with that? Now, this is important that you understand this. I'm going to go to the back of my notes quickly because I might not get back to it. Corporate prayer is, it's got an exponential component to it. Do you know what exponential is? So an exponential curve does this. The, the input you put is not proportional to the output you get. So now two scriptures. Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 to 20. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I tell you that if two or three of you agree on earth about anything you ask for, it will be done before you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So there's Jesus here. He's talking about listen, us gathering together to pray. Happy? Then it says this. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 8. Five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred of you will chase 10,000. And your enemies will fall by the sword. Okay, so Mikhail, watch here. Five, 100 divided by five is 20, 20 times. You got it? Mark, 10,000 divided by 100 is 100 times. Five of you, 20 times the power in your prayers. 100 of you, 100 times the power of your prayer. What's the point? We gather corporately to pray because there's an exponential increase in the power and the effectiveness of prayer Determined by the amount of people that are praying. Isn't that incredible? Okay? And so that's why we get together. And then 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14 to 16 says this. If my people, who are called by now my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I want you to know this. Prayer is a measure of our humility. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. Pride says, I can do my own thing, I can go my own way, I can do my own will, because I know about my life. Humility says, God help me, 
God, help me. I need your will to come. I need to know your will. I want to see your kingdom. I'm not strong enough to do this in my own strength. I'm asking you, please, Father, come help me. God, help me. You're calling heaven to earth. That's humble. Amen? Next week, we're going to look at intercessory prayer. And we look at Peter, and we're going to look at Jesus. Let me just give you a quick snippet. Both Jesus and Peter knew that they were going to get tested. Yes? Peter says, Jesus says to Peter, Last Supper, Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter says, Noit, never. I'm ready to die for you. Yes? Does he betray Jesus? Does he fall on his backside? Why? Proud and arrogant. I can do it in my own strength. Jesus humbles himself. He says, Lord, God, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to die for these scumbags. That's what he says in the God. I don't want to die. If there's another way, please. But then what does he say? Not my will, but your will. And then he humbly, on his knees, sweating blood, asks God and he accesses God's power and God gives him the power to face the cross, to die for you and I. Because he humbled himself and he got God's power. Who's glad he did that? Hey, isn't that incredible? This is why we pray, my friends. When we pray, we're accessing God's power for his will to be done in our lives. I'm going to ask you this question. Have you lived long enough to know that you don't always want your will? <laughs> Have you lived long enough to know that you always don't want your will? Hmm? I have. That's why it's good to pray. Listen, he's your good father. He knows best. Ask him. Ask him for everything. Jesus said, hey, Lord, is there not another way? <sighs> Jesus, help us. Can I give you some examples of the power of corporate prayer? Hey? Who knows? You know this movie, Dunkirk? There's the Saving Private Ryan, Dunkirk, Codebreakers. Do you know those three movies? They're all three World War, three, World War II movies. Have you ever heard, why don't you put up that thing of the, the miracle of Dunkirk? Have they got it there, eh? Sit up. There we go. Have you ever heard about the miracle of Dunkirk? Do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube and Google the miracle of Dunkirk. This is what you're going to come up with, okay? Now, let me tell you this. Go to the next slide there, please. But you might not be able to see this, but I'm going to read it for you. Four miracles... Of Dunkirk. During the darkest hour of World War II, King George V called the National of Prayer. Churches across Britain were filled with people praying. See how those prayers were answered. Next one. Next slide. We must pray, King George V said. This next Sunday, I'm calling for a National Day of Prayer. Famously non religious, Churchill was not sure. We're surely not looking at prayer as the answer, but how could he refuse the king? On the 26th of May, the Westminster Abbey Archbishop of Canterbury called on God to protect the troops, and across Britain, tens of thousands of people responded to the call, king's call to pray, uniting as a nation like never before. Okay? Nothing like this has ever happened before was why one English paper reported that prayer day on the 26th of May. The following day, 
Listen to me. The very next day, the German High Commission reported the British army is encircled. Our troops are proceeding to its annihilation. They were ready to annihilate these oaks. Okay? Next one. But not all was that appeared. Something happened that historians, even 77 years later, cannot explain. With the German tanks rumbling just 10 miles from Dunkirk, Hitler did the unthinkable. On the 24th of May, the day King George called the nation to pray, Hitler inexplicably halted the offensive. And for, for nearly three days, as England knelt as one to pray, the tanks remained grounded. Nothing moved. They don't know why Hitler did this. They don't know. They cannot explain it. He had Germany there. If he had destroyed Germany, he would have destroyed the, German, the, the, the English army. He would have destroyed the Allied forces. He could have taken Great Britain and he would have had all of Europe. But a nation corporately prayed, my friends. And a king led them to pray. This was the exact window of time that the British needed to form a defensive perimeter, temporarily fight back the Germans and establish a funnel for the flow of troops to go back across the English Channel. So first miracle, Hitler halted. Next thing. Then came something else. Rain and clouds. As the German planes were bombing Dunkirk on three separate days, each time for the days afterwards, the city was enveloped with inclement weather, making any effective follow-up from the Nazis difficult. What's more, the bree, a breeze seemed to collect smoke emitted from German bombs and distributed all over the areas where the British men were using to load the men into the battle, into the boats. The Allied exodus went undetected for days. Next miracle. The English Channel is notoriously rough and choppy. No place for a novice seaman. But once again, something peculiar happened. The water Hilton and Shaw encountered was like that of a bathtub. There was barely a ripple to disturb the journey. No one had ever seen anything like it. There were so many boats in that place that the waters resembled a freeway at rush hour. So, Hitler halted their advance. Um, the cloud cover, the weather, and then next one. On, okay, 388,000 troops in private sailing vessels, not, not big vessels, because they were German submarines bombing all the, 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 um, the cargo ships and the warships. They sent private boats, and the, sh the, the, the submarines didn't bomb them. Didn't torpedo them. They got 380,000 troops off that beach. On the 4th of June, Churchill went to the House of Commons to deliver the news. We shall fight them on the beaches, he thundered. We shall fight them on the landing grounds. We shall fight them. You know that story. The Prime Minister, Churchill, called it a miracle. And he was not often known to use that term. It would seem that there were no other words to describe it. Not just one, but a whole series of miracles. Without one of them, the entire operation would have failed. Hitler halting 
the Blitzkrieg, the cloud that protected the, the cloud cover, the English Channel crossing, and the hundreds of tiny boats appearing from seamlessly out of nowhere. What turned the tide? For the king of um, England, there was no question. It was a day of prayer. Can you give me five more minutes? Let's bring it a bit closer to home. Let's bring it not into the 1940s. Let's bring it into 2018, 2016. Do you remember at Ellis Park? Uh, and I, I've, got the t I've, got the, this, I've got the things, but I'm, just for the sake of time, I'm not going to put it up. The Val Dam, my friends, was at 20%. We got a little place on the Val Dam. It was terrible. Angus Buckham called for a prayer meeting there in Ellis Park. And they prayed for rain. It was in October. I think it was 2016. The scientists and all the weathermen were telling us, five years to fill the dam. March, the following year, the dam was overflowing. The suitcase were open and the Vol River flooded. God answered prayer. Then, this Burki sends Angus Buckham a message. Uncle Angus, we've prayed for rain and it rained. Now we need to pray for our nation. Call us to pray, we'll get there. I remember a couple of us from Lighthouse went barriers with me. We drove in our car to Bloemfontein. Outside Bloemfontein on the copy there, more than a million of us gathered to pray. Guess what happened the next week after that prayer meeting in Bloemfontein? Who can tell me? The Gupta emails were exposed and came out. And the Gupta's corruption was stopped. Who can tell me then what happened? Cape Town, my friends, 2018 was going to day zero. No, no water. I'm going to send you this link. They prayed on Mitchell's Plain, remember? That day when they prayed, it rained. A couple of months later, Cape Town didn't have a water problem anymore. Now, are you telling me that God doesn't answer prayer? Are you telling me that, that corporate prayer doesn't work? The problem is, God, you need to understand something. The devil understands this thing, that when we pray, gate, the gates of hell tremble. And there is such an opposition to personal prayer, to family prayer, and to corporate prayer. Because the enemy knows that if he can stop us from praying, he stops our power and he stops our effectiveness. So he blinds us to prayer and its effects, and he doesn't want us to connect these dots. Because a prayerless church is a powerless church. A prayerless family is a powerless family. A prayerless business is a powerless business. We need to pray. I, I hope this is, I'm, I'm, I hope you, I'm not trying to guilt you today. I've led a church for 21 years. I've known guilt never ever motivates people long term. It might get you to one prayer meeting. But, but faith, knowledge, revelation, understanding, my friend, that puts something inside of you that says, yes, I can see this. We can pray. I mean, obviously, there's many biblical examples of prayer. You know the story of the prodigals? Who knows the story of the prodigals? Three sons, 
There's three sons in that story. There's three fathers. There's two kingdoms. And there's three options. Do you know that, Marcus? Three sons. The youngest son, the older brother. Now listen, if you've heard me preach this, don't shout it out. Who's the third son? It's Jesus, the son telling the story. There's three fathers. Who are the three fathers? There's the earthly father of the boys. He represents the heavenly father. Then there is the third father, the younger son. When he was away from his father, he was serving Satan, the father of the devil. The father says, this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive again. Interestingly enough, the older brother in the story is not connected with his father. He's also connected with the enemy. And I'll explain it to you. Three sons, three fathers. Two kingdoms. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of devil. Three options. Two are in the kingdom of darkness. One is in the kingdom of God. The other two kingdom of darkness options. Worldliness, the younger brother. The younger brother said to his dad, Give me my inheritance. You know what are you saying, Mark? I wish you were dead so I could inherit your wealth. But you're not dying anytime soon. So just rather than we have to meet, wait for you to die, give me my inheritance now. How would you feel if that's what your son or daughter came to you and said that? I don't want you. I don't want your interference in my life. I just want your stuff. Then you give it and he says, cheers. Hoys you a zap sign, says Cheers. That's what the younger brother did. Kingdom of darkness. Secular humanism. It wants all of God's world and all of God's creation, of all of God's blessing, but it wants nothing to do with God. doesn't want his interference in their life. Older brother. Second option of the kingdom of darkness. The older brother doesn't leave the father. But you know what he says to his dad when the, older brother come, when the younger brother comes home? He's not happy that the, older brother, the younger brother's home. He says... He's angry and he says, I've been slaving for you all of these years. You never gave me a kid goat. When this scumbag son of yours comes home who spent your money on prostitutes and wild living, you kill the fatted calf for him. You're a bad father. And you're a slave master and I have been slaving for you all of these years. Listen to me. John chapter 8, Jesus says to the religious people, you belong to your father the devil and you carry out his desires. My friends, religion, just because you're religious, does not mean you're a son or daughter of the kingdom. Jesus tells a parable to show us that there are two options in the kingdom of darkness. The one is worldly, the other is religion. Religion will save no one. The third option is the kingdom of God, and it's Jesus, and it's represented by him. Listen to what the father says to the older brother. My son, not my slave. You are always with me. Everything I have is yours. And I close with this. We are the sons and daughters of God if we're born again. We have access to God's presence, his heart. We can draw close to him and watch here. Everything I have is yours. We have access to heaven's resources. We can bring heavenly resources to earth if we ask our Father. But you have not because... You ask not. 
And how do you ask? You pray. The two boys didn't live in the fear of the Lord. Jesus lived in the fear of the Lord. And prayer is a measure of you living in the fear of the Lord. How much do you need God in your life? Why don't you stand with me? Is this helpful? Hey? I got up at five o'clock this morning. I'm serious. I've been praying for you for two and a half hours. And I've been praying this. Today, Lord Jesus, inspire your people to want to spend time in your presence. To want to get to know their heavenly dad. To understand the access they have to him. The resources they have available to him. And to see his kingdom come like never before. Who wants to respond? Who wants that? Eh? Don't you want that? Don't you want your relationship with God to go to the next level? If you do, I want to pray for you. Maybe I can lead us in prayer. So let's say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the access we have to you. Father, we want to be your children. We want to come into a deeper relationship with you. Jesus, teach us to pray. Holy Spirit, guide us into prayer. Give us the self-control and discipline to devote ourselves to personal prayer, to family prayer, to business prayer, to corporate prayer. Help us, Lord. Lord, we say and we ask, let your name be hallowed in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will come in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. And let your kingdom come here in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to work with you and with your glory as your sons and daughters. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us God bless you. Thanks, Bud.